Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Matthew Eugene has been the city council member for District 40 for 10 years. Good morning. During that time, he has personally earned over $1 million, but only passed seven bills. Almost 30% of Matthew's campaign funds come from people in the real estate industry. They're profiting, while individuals all over this district are being evicted and foreclosed on. I was down there at HRA one time working in MTA, couldn't afford my rent. He chairs youth services for the New York City Council, yet in the city of New York, the youth unemployment rate is at 29%. That's tripled the national average. He has one of the worst environmental records in the entire city council. He voted against a bill that would prohibit the sale and distribution of children's toys that contain formaldehyde, lead, and mercury. But can you give us more detail? He failed to support legislation that would protect a woman's right to choose. People are working harder every day, but can't seem to get ahead. I want to be a champion for those. We need a council member who will work to make sure that affordable housing is actually affordable. We need to reform our broken, racist, and corrupt criminal justice system. We need to spur economic development, strengthen small business, and incentivize new business creation. We need to expand resources for public schools and create an after-school program at every school in this district. We've got to take bold climate action to reduce and offset emissions while simultaneously working to safeguard the city from projected sea level rise. We need to create a universal healthcare system in the city of New York that covers every single person. Let's demand racial, economic, environmental, reproductive, and immigrant justice. My name is Brian Cunningham. I'm a lifelong Democrat, and I'm running for the New York City Council. Legacy of 1804, I am your host, Alice Backer. Tonight, we are welcoming Brian Cunningham, who is running 
for City Council in the 40th Council District in Brooklyn. You just heard his uh, campaign commercial where he starts broaching the issue of why he is running against uh, Matthew Eugene, who has been in that office for uh, over 10 years. We're waiting for him and uh, Candice Fortin, who is uh, a high-ranking member of his campaign and a Haitian-American, to get on the air. The theme song which opened tonight's show is One Notre Ara from the album Blues and Red, courtesy of Bouillon Boise and the Blues and Red Band. And here at Love 1804, we amplify Haitian voices live on air every Friday night, and that is just the audio version of what we have been doing online at kisskiacity.com since 2005. We are also on uh, Tumblr, Instagram, and of course Twitter at the handle at Kiskeacity, where over 49,000 of you are following. If you enjoyed tonight's show and you find it constructive, please share it to your social networks. You can also just embed the player on your blog or site. To see what Haitian bloggers from the world over are saying, go to at Haitian bloggers on Twitter and to the Facebook page titled Haitian bloggers. I've put both of those together for you. You can listen to past shows on iTunes by searching the keywords Legacy of 1804 and past shows are also available under the LOF 1804 tab at com. So, um, let's see. Uh, while we wait for our guests to uh, get on the air, I am going to uh, read you Brian's bio from his website, Cunningham4Council.com, Cunningham4Council.com. So Brian is Brooklyn born and raised. He was born in Flatbush and raised by a single mother and learned that it takes both a strong family and a caring community to raise a child. Just like many other West Indian families, his Jamaican heritage informed his worldview, instilling in him a strong work ethic while understanding the obstacles faced by immigrants. As a student, Brian was formally educated at New York City Public Schools from kindergarten through college, while he learned valuable life lessons through his church and from the community. Inspired by what he saw was the lack of opportunity and the lack of resources within the community, Brian decided to dedicate his life towards directly bolstering the community and pursuing a mission of social justice. Giving back to the community, Brian began his career with Kamba as a student advocate counselor in Brooklyn. Dismayed by the lack of resources available to underserved communities, Brian was inspired to affect political change and began working as an aide to State Senator Kevin Parker. As he flew up the ranks within the Senator's office, Brian gained a comprehensive understanding of the legislative process and the importance of building political consensus to affect positive change. Nonetheless, Brian continued to work directly within the community by providing vocational programming that trained underprivileged youth for green color and tech careers. In 2013, Brian moved his legislative sites from Albany to City Hall, serving as Council Member Lori Combo's Chief of Staff, 
Within this capacity, Brian spearheaded numerous legislative and educational priorities in support of affordable housing, women's issues, cultural preservation, and supporting small businesses. Council member Robert Car Carnegie Jr. saw Brian's passion for helping struggling small business owners and worked with him to roll out the Chamber on the Go program that provides mobile assistance to a range of small businesses throughout the city. Before long, Brian went back into the nonprofit sector, helping to secure funding for affordable housing initiatives with Nazareth Housing. With his passion for serving the community and his extensive professional experience on display, Brian took the opportunity of a lifetime to serve as an aide to President Obama's My Brother's Keeper initiative, again, working mentor and helping to provide resources and funding to underserved youth. With his extensive and diverse experiences in tow, Brian saw the dire need for true progressive leadership in Brooklyn's 40th City Council District. After many long discussions with his wife and best friend Stephanie, they felt that now was the time to run for City Council. As Brian likes to say, it's our time. It's the community's time to shine and be represented by people who truly understand the issues and will work tirelessly to support him. All right, but we, we have no, <laughs> there's no Brian in sight though right now. Um, so um, as we wait for him to get on the air, um, Ug, I see that you are here. And of course, Ug is a frequent co-host on Legacy of 1804 Haiti News and Blog Review. Uh, Ug, um, what say you? Welcome. You are, of course, calling from Florida, and I am in Brooklyn. Uh, welcome. Thank you very much, Alice. Uh, can you hear me well? Yes. And can you hear me? Excellently. Excellently. Great. Very good. Okay. Uh, this should be very interesting. I'm looking forward to this, to this, to this show. Um, I find uh, what I've heard so far uh, about Mr. Cunningham quite interesting. Uh, this this is a first, and it, it, so far it sounds very refreshing. Sounds like Mr. Cunningham is coming to from the left of uh, our good uh, Dr. Mathieu Eugène. So um, <laughs> yes, yes, um, and 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 we have some questions for him. Um, and uh, we may have him on the air. Um, call in 718, would, would you introduce yourself if you're one of our guests? This is, actually, this, is, this is actually Brian Cunningham, how are you? How are you? Welcome to the show. I, I'm struggling to try and get on, but I wanted to figure out how to get on, so I just jumped right in. Okay, that's good. Um, we're, we're very happy to have you in um, uh, leading up to now. What, we, what we've done is we've played your campaign video which we'll probably play again um, at some point, maybe before closing, where you explain, um, you know, where you contrast your vision to Matthew, uh, to Matthew Jen's record. And yeah. we've also read your bio. So this is just to, to catch you up on, um, on what you said. We're joined by um, Yuji Lau, who's a frequent uh, co-host here on Legacy of 1804, uh, Haiti News and Blog Review, and who's been following, he's calling from Florida. And he's been following, um, you know, he's a former New York resident, so he's been following New York politics with a lot of interest. And of course, Haitians all over the country uh, follow these types of races where there's a um, Haitian candidate involved, and of course, in a, in a you know, in, in a in a district uh, heavily Haitian and West Indian district. So uh, all sure. eyes are on this race. Um, and so, why don't we start? Um, I mean, there's so much we want to discuss with you, 
But why don't we start with, um, uh, you know, how you you really plan to contrast yourself from uh, Maturge? Now, I did this. It's been quite a. I'd say it's been actually ever since the beginning of uh, Mathieu Jean's uh, tenure, I've been hearing that, uh, you know, we were not dealing with the most visionary of politicians that uh, he, you know, he sure. did as little as he, as he could, um, really didn't spearhead much. Uh, as you said yourself, uh, only seven bills in 10 years and uh, after having made about a million dollars. And uh, I was hearing complaints. I was hearing complaints from staffers of Jumani Williams, who were Haitian, that, um, you know, yeah. Jumani Williams does more for the Haitian community than uh, Mathieu Jeanne, who really just essentially is just yeah. warming the seat, which was passed on to him yeah. by, um, uh, I think it's Yvette Clark when she became Congresswoman. So, you know, yeah. people... Um, well, I'm, glad, I'm glad the seat is warm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry? I said, I'm glad the seat is warm. I'm looking forward to sitting in a warm seat in a couple of days. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I mean, I, first of all, let me, in, all, in all seriousness, I, I just want to say that I think um, on that February night, uh, March night, back in 2007, the council member's victory was a huge, significant win um, for the Haitian-American community and for the Caribbean in general. Um, to see continual progression. Um, Dr. Clark was the first um, Jamaican-American elected to the New York City Council, and probably the first Caribbean elected. And her daughter succeeded her to council, and had to, to have Councilman Eugene come in. Um, I think the Caribbean-American community in general, particularly the Haitian-American community, um, really looked forward to um, at least eight years of progress and um, substance. Um, but what we've seen again over the last eight years, or the last 10 years actually, is a council member who um, got the seat made history by receiving the seat, but since then has done very little to create history for um, the seat for um, people of the Haitian community who live in our district. And that's something that I think um, is the, the first blistering thing that we've seen, like you said, um, only seven bills in 10 years in a community in which there's so much need and so much need for people to have access to quality of life. Um, you mentioned Jamani Williams um, in the same breath. And you think about what Jamani Williams has done in the last eight years of being the council. He's passed 41 bills and actually created a youth center. Um, these are things that we could have gotten in Flatbush, things had we had someone who was fighting as a champion for us inside of City Hall, that we could have created some real continuity between the two districts and really created some real um, opportunities um, for the Caribbean-American community that lives in both districts. So I'm excited about getting the council hopefully in a week and partnering up with um, Councilmember Williams and um, others in the, in, in the city to really deliver resources to our community. Um, from 2009 to 2014, we ranked fourth lowest amount of money poured into any council district. Um, out of 51 members, we were 48. Uh, we've only had seven bills passed. And there are a number of things um, as pertains to um, housing. Housing costs gone up 80% in this community um, that I think um, anyone coming into the seat, particularly myself, someone with a lot of experience both in the city, state, and federal government is going to be able to hit the ground running on day one and actually provide some real services to the community. Um, Mr. Cunningham, if I may jump in. Hi, this is Eugene calling from um, Florida. Uh, if you would... You got all the good weather. Uh, yes. I, I don't want to make people jealous. I won't talk about it, but it is glorious. <laughs> <laughs> and especially at this time of the year. Um, 
Here's this. It sounds to me so far that um, the implication is that uh, uh, Dr. Jen uh, got into the seat basically by being Haitian American. Um, so uh, is it uh, correct to say that the district is uh, uh, heavily, if not uh, uh, leading uh, Haitian Americans? Um, well, um, well, I think yes. I think I'm there sorry. was some significance. In, I think ten years ago, the district was a very different district than we that I hope to inherit in a couple of um, days. Um, the district is a heavily Caribbean American community. Um, we have just been given by the city of New York the distinction of being a little Caribbean, um, in which obviously a significant portion of people that live in the district that are of Haitian descent. And I think mm -hmm. for many people, when you think about the 40th Council District in particular. Um, it was a district that was carved out specifically for people of Caribbean descent. So having a Haitian representative um, was a wonderful experience in terms of making sure that the, the, the full diaspora um, benefited. We had a um, two Jamaican women who um, were his predecessors in the council. Um, but obviously the district has changed over the last 10 years as well. And um, I think there is a still a remnant and a strong remnant of the Caribbean American community. But we are seeing people that are moving into our neighborhoods uh, making our neighborhoods, and particularly the pockets that were particularly Caribbean, more and more diverse. And um, as that diversity uh, begins to expand, um, there is a there's a growing need um, to protect the residents who lived in the community, but also to represent the people who are now moving into the community. So there is a, a balance of doing two things, and that's something that I think the council member has struggled with over the last 10 years of even just representing the um, the existing people who lived in the community, much less um, what, what's happening now in our community with a lot of people moving in who don't necessarily call the Caribbean home or um, they have no roots that go back to the Caribbean, but there is a deep, wide coalition of people that live in our community. Okay. Um, tell us uh, briefly, just so I, I think Alice had just gone, gone through it. Um, tell us a little more about yourself and what's your connection to the district and what would you say, or the, I don't know, I'm sure there are a lot of needs. What are the first five priorities, five, five most pressing needs you would identify uh, in the, um, in the district and, and what, if elected, you think you might be able to do about them? Sure. Um, so inscribe myself, I always describe myself as, a first-generation American. Um, someone's mother and father were both born in Jamaica, West Indies. My mother migrated to the United States of America in 1975. Um, like most immigrants, she came here with very little money, um, but came here with a dream that America would be good to her if she worked hard. And my mother was right. She um, worked hard um, many years undocumented. So I know the struggles of, of, of people who are undocumented in our country, and particularly in our city. Um, 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 knew that education was going to be the only pathway for both my sister and I um, to be able to be better than the previous generation. My sister became an educator. I became a nonprofit worker working um, in government and nonprofits, working with young people across the city um, to help them finish high school. And after that, I had some great opportunities um, because of my desire to change public policy. Um, I had an opportunity to serve as chief, special assistant to Senator Kevin Parker, chief of staff, to Council Member Lori Cumbo, um, Director of Small Business, to Robert Carnegie, Director of Housing for Nazareth Housing, and then ultimately became um, an aide to President Barack Obama, the 44th President, um, serving my brother's Keepers Alliance. Um, but who I am is just a young man who's benefited from the greatness of our community, who's benefited from a rich legacy of Caribbean people in our community, 
and continues to want to build on that legacy for future generations. Uh, what are the issues in our community? I think housing is the number one issue in our community. Uh, we have rents that have gone up 80% in the last few years. We have a foreclosure um, rate that is very high and one of the highest concentrations of evictions in all of New York City um, in our district. We have a criminal justice system that's broken, racist, and needs reform. A criminal justice system that oftentimes pits neighbors against neighbors and has welcomed um, ICE agents into our neighborhoods um, to illegally harass um, people in our communities. Um, in our community, we have um, schools that need um, fixing. We have a lot of schools that lack after-school programs, quality after-school programs, and a curriculum that's outdated that's not educating our kids for the 21st century or 22nd century economy. Um, we have um, a lot of seniors, like my mom who got here in 75, who's not as young as she used to be, um, who is now needing services in our community that are going to be retrofitted to fit her needs as a senior citizen in the community. And the major thing we have in our community, particularly with the high population, 55% of the people who live in this district are people who are, um, from, um, are immigrants. And 89% of those immigrants hail from the Caribbean. So we have a number of immigration issues in terms of um, what the federal climate is now, in terms of how we have um, these federal policies come out of Washington that are egregious, and federal policies that um, disproportionately affect um, immigrants, and particularly minority immigrants. Um, so we have a number of issues in the community, and what I hope to achieve in being a city council member um, very quickly is I want to make sure that every single school in our district has an after-school program, a beacon program where both kids and parents can learn and grow, um, an after-school program where young people have an opportunity to get homework help and do extracurricular activities, but also our parents have an opportunity to get English as a second language certification classes and also um, job readiness classes so they can be better prepared for the workforce. Um, I hope in my first year in the city council to introduce a bill that would actually provide health care coverage to every single New Yorker, regardless of their immigration status or their employment status, um, or regardless of their uh, whether or whether or not um, or any any other health conditions. Um, the other thing that I hope to do is actually lower the cost of housing by having more non-for-profits develop the housing stock in New York. Um, so those are some of the big goals we have. I think they're very progressive. I think they're very bold, but I think they're very pragmatic. And with somebody in City Hall who understands how city, state, and federal government works, I think I'm the best deal maker to help make this happen. Um, and I know that I know that's true because in the last 10 years we haven't had that voice at the table representing our community, our needs, our issues. So I'm looking forward to being that voice. Um, that sounds super fantastic, but how, you know, how are we going to, how are you going to pay for it? Have you identified uh, any fat that you can cut or, or, or shift around? Uh, have you seen a, a, any part of a city budget or perhaps some revenue stream uh, that may or may not be particular to District 40 that uh, can help you move uh, these goals along? So let me be very clear about the city of New York. The city of New York is the strongest city in all of America. Uh, we have the fourth largest budget in the country. Every year, New York City passes the $86 billion budget with a B. Um, we have the fourth largest budget. The budgets that are larger than this city is the, state, the United States federal budget, the state of California, the state of New York, and then the city of New York. So we have a very strong budget. Um, my old boss, Senator Parker, used to make a, a statement that says that values, your budget, are a reflection of your values. And what you value, you put into your budget. And if we as a city value education, value after-school programs, if we value services for immigrant populations, if we value health care for workers, 
then we will make sure that we add that to the budget. Uh, we spend far too much money in criminalizing people and in a broken criminal justice system um, to incarcerate um, men and boys of color and women of color. Um, and we spend little time and little resources investing in people and creating opportunities for people. So there is money in the budget. Um, and like I said earlier, because of the leadership we have in this district, this district has seen the fourth lowest amount of discretionary funding poured into our community. We can do better. There are other districts that are doing better than ours. I plan on being at the negotiating table and fighting to make sure every single dollar is accounted for, that every dollar that goes into our budget then comes out of that budget and comes into our district. Okay. And so far, what has been your response to uh, to your challenge uh, um, in in the community, particularly from coming from Haitian Americans? You know what? It's funny. When you talk to people about the issues, people are less concerned at the fact that I wasn't born in Haiti, but people are more concerned with the fact that I understand the plight of immigrant experience coming to America, and that as a first-generation American, I am so concerned with my parents' generation and the fact that my generation is having to shoulder the burden of taking care of our parents because of a lack of planning and a lack of resources for our community. So I think I hear less about um, not physically be born in Haiti or not physically born in Jamaica, but someone who identifies with that and someone who's constantly working every single day to make sure that the quality of life of people in the community are substantially better, that their voices are echoed inside of City Hall. Um, so I think that's what voters have been focused on. And, and, the, and in, your, in, in, in your understanding, the feedback that you're getting from the community re, re, reflects uh, um, that stand. Well, look at the Democratic primary. I ran the Democratic primary, so did a council member, and so did two other challengers. In the Democratic primary, 4,000 voters came out in support of our candidacy. 5,000 came out in support of the candidacy for the council member. And another um, 3,000 or so votes went to other candidates who weren't myself or the council member. Um, six out of 10 Democrats who voted in primaries voted against this council member. He was not able, like most incumbents, like all the incumbents, He's the only incumbent in the city council right now who ran a Democratic primary who did not get more than 50 percent of the vote. And he's been in office for 10 years. So that says a lot about how the community feels about his leadership and the fact that I was able to gather the respect and trust of over 4,000 voters in the Democratic primary. And we are constantly building on that trust, building on that respect um, since the general election started. It says a lot about the momentum that we have. And the momentum comes from both the north and the south of the district, the east and the west. It is not one pocket. It is a broad coalition of people um, in the Caribbean American community, um, people who just moved to this district that support our candidacy and are looking forward to having a new leader at City Hall. Excellent. Now, Alice? my understanding is that um, how how common is it, Brian, to have an incumbent like Matthew Eugene, who's been in office for 10 years, debate a challenger? Because you, you guys are having very, a debate very, tomorrow very, night. This is very unprecedented, actually. I, I, we, yeah. <laughs> this is the first time. In fact, when the, when the request went out, we assumed that the council member that he would say no because most incumbents. Right. But I, I think, based on what I've seen over the last few days, every train station I've been at, <laughs> the council member's been at as well, worked in the morning, and I think you know <laughs> it's been phenomenal okay. to watch um, this increased effort from the council member uh, because a few days after the, the primary, he was telling people that the election's over. Um, that Cunningham doesn't respect the, pro the democratic process. 
Um, he doesn't understand how this country works, that if you win the primaries, you win the election. Um, and I think because he realized that people in the neighborhood, it wasn't um, my campaign, it wasn't me who was able to gather the endorsements of over 16, um, over 16 um, advocacy groups and unions, but it's because the, the community, the Working Families Party said in their quote, Cunningham has revived a new spirit of activism in our neighborhoods and our community is fired up by his leadership um, and are seeking a different kind of politics, a different kind of leader inside of City Hall. And I think that has woken up a sleeping giant who's been sleeping for 10 years, quite frankly. Yes. And so I look forward um, to debate on Sunday. Oh yeah, and me too. Actually, I, I I'm I'm actually trying to do my best to um, to attend because I I understand this is very unprecedented. Generally, uh, Democratic Party incumbents just sit tight and you know let the challenger, uh, you know, d d g basically ignore the challenger. So the fact um, to me, yeah, the fact yeah. that he's accepted to debate you uh, means that he's understanding that he's not in as strong a position as an incumbent normally is. Now. Just to uh, clarify everything for everyone, you, obviously he won the Democratic primary. You are now still challenging him, but on the Reform Party line, correct? Yeah, so I am a, I am a lifelong Democrat. I ran the Democratic primary. I am committed to caucusing or, or um, working with the Democrats on issues that are important. But far too often what happens in primaries, particularly in New York City, is a Democrat wins and they challenge a Republican. It's very rare to have a Democrat run against a third-party candidate who is probably a more left-leaning Democrat than the actual Democrat. Um, this is a council member who's anti-choice. Well, this is, is happening. This is happening right here. I, I am a resident of Fort Greene, Clinton Hill. It's happening here as well. Um, uh, I believe uh, well, the incumbent yeah, in, in just, Fort Greene is yes. Uh, the incumbent in, in Fort Greene yeah. is getting, uh, I think, a I think a healthy challenge from a coalition of someone who had challenged uh, the incumbent um, in the primary and uh, Jabari Brisport, who is a, a Green. Um, and so my question to you is, I'm not healthy. certain. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's very healthy. I, I'm not certain that, um, I mean, you say you're a lifelong Democrat. Um, the Democratic Party is, is running into lots of challenges. Its integrity has been uh, it, just in the last week, uh, based on what you know, the revelations from Donna Brazil, which of course aren't revelations at all. Bernie Sanders supporters knew yeah. that the Democratic Party establishment had rigged the primary. Um, and yeah. so, but to hear it from someone from the Democratic Party establishment, that's, that's actually quite cool. Um, and yeah. so um, I'm wondering, um, in, based on the um, lack of trust and the increased the increased, um, uh, well, the increased questioning of the integrity of the Democratic Party establishment, specifically the DNC and people close to the DNC. And you said that you work for Lori Combo, who right now is actually not in a great position based on her track record in unaffordable, unaffordable housing. Um, you said also that you work for Barack Obama. This is ab absolutely, a, you know, a DNC type Democrat, Barack Obama. So, why didn't you do what Jabari did, which is to run as a green, which would have actually uh, distanced, your, distanced you from the uh, the more the least progressive, um, you know, because in New York, the Democratic Party is the establishment. 
the Democratic Party is the well, machine. Well, well, I'm, well, so how can we trust that you're hand. actually going to be able to accomplish what you say you want to accomplish as a Democrat? Well, well, let's be clear. I'm running as a Reform Party candidate in this election because I think there are many things that need to be reformed, like our broken criminal justice system, like our educational system, like our housing system. So I am working on reforming these things. The reason why I'm continuing to run is because I believe the candidate who the Democrats have chosen as their standard bearer to represent our district does not represent the progressive needs of our district. And that's why I continue to run. I continue to run because there are people who want to have their voice swayed in, who believe differently from what the council member is currently doing. Um, so that's why I'm running. I'm running because I'm a different kind of Democrat. I'm a Democrat who gets it. And I'm a Democrat who's certainly independent in the process, clearly indicative by the fact that I'm running against breaking all protocol, running on a different party line, to make sure that we'll have choice next week Tuesday. Uh, um, Mr. Cunningham, the view from here, it's, it's sort of uh, repeating the same question, but, but from a different angle. The view from here is that uh, um, Dr. Eugene is a staunch uh, ally, if not a, a supporter of, of a city hall. Um, is that perception correct? Am I correct or did I misread things? And uh, well, well, I think City Hall knows they have a friend in Councilman Eugene, and I think that's why Mayor de Blasio has endorsed him, and I think that's why Mayor de Blasio has been doing several normal calls to encourage Democrats to vote for um, Councilman Eugene because the mayor has a very aggressive agenda on what he wants to accomplish over his last four years in office, and he doesn't want to be questioned. And I think when you have independent thinkers like myself who are willing to challenge the system a little bit, um, I think the mayor can be certain that. I get in the city hall, things won't be um, a yes or no. There will be questions asked of this mayor that he will have to answer, um, like where's the money for our district, like where's the affordable housing that you promised to our district, and where's the after-school programs you put in your UPK packets for junior high schools that we have not seen in our district. Um, so I think we are going to make this administration far more accountable, and I think we're going to make some history on Tuesday. Excellent. How big an upset would it be if you uh, won on Tuesday? And I, I think it's entirely possible, though I don't have the numbers. Uh, but has this ever happened before that a Democrat runs, a, life, a lifelong Democrat runs on an alternative uh, party platform and uh, unseats a Democratic Party incumbent? This would be unprecedented completely. Um, no one has ever ran a Democratic primary. Um, not win the primary, run the general election, and win the general election on a third-party platform. I think the only other person who's done it is probably Letitia James, um, and she did it on the Working Families Party, which is certainly more popular than the Reform Party. Um, so I think this has the potential to be one of the – this one, this is the biggest rematch, I think, of this 2017 election cycle. And two, mm -hmm. when we win on Tuesday – not if we win, when we win on Tuesday – um, this is going to be a historic victory for the district. I think more importantly than just for myself, it's going to remind people that it's still their voices and their votes that matter, that you can't um, sail your way into victory or think that election year politics works, but that people actually have the power to change an entire process. These are the same constituents who lobbied the Working Families Party and wrote them and called them every day to ensure that the Working Families Party endorsed our candidacy. These are the same people who are out in the field knocking doors from 6 a.m. at train stations to 9 p.m. knocking doors and phone banking 
um, to ensure that their voices are heard. Um, so I think this is going to be a victory not only for um, me personally, but this is really a victory for the people who I hope to represent in City Hall. And I'm looking forward to being their advocate and fighting for them because they fought so hard for me. And um, my other question to you is, um, I, I mean, something very similar is happening again in my district where uh, the incumbent, uh, Lori Combo, is being challenged by Jabari Brisport, who's a Green. Uh, and then we saw her being challenged uh, by Ede Fox in the Democratic primary. And of course, Ede Fox, um, you know, and, and, you know, Fox did not succeed in um, challenging her as the Democratic Party um, in the Democratic Party, uh, in the Democratic Party primary. But how these are, I mean, I understand the Democratic Party <clears throat> has its, I've always understood uh, that it has its unspoken rules or unofficial rules that, you know, you as out of, you know, for example, we saw just about all the local politicians in lockstep go for Hillary Clinton over Bernie Sanders in the primary, except for uh, Jumaan Williams, who very last minute endorsed, endorsed Bernie Sanders. So uh, tell us about that. Tell us about what you did in the, in the uh, Democratic Party presidential primary, how you situated yourself vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, Hillary and, 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 and Bernie? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I was a big Bernie supporter and traveled for Bernie um, to, to, uh, for his candidacy. I was also a big supporter. People look at Barack Obama as a, uh, a mainline Democrat. But back in 2008, when we supported Barack Obama, he was also an outlier in that race. He was African-American. He had a, a, a funny name. Um, but we believe that he was the change that we needed in this country. And in both times, I was um, right in who I thought was, were better candidates who represented uh, better values. So I was a Bernie supporter. I was a Barack Obama supporter. And I will continue to be a supporter of people who have a more left approach and a more progressive approach um, to politics. Um, and that's what we're going to continue to see from me in um, the future in terms of people I choose to endorse, whether on a presidential campaign or on a city council race or even a local district race, I will continue to stand on the side of progress and people who are willing to buck the system to do what's right, not because it's politically expedient. Now, to to finish my point, um, what I was saying was that the unspoken rule is, you know, you don't, you know, people, people, it looks like everybody plays it safe. We saw countless young Haitian American uh, Democrats here who are in office place safe, um, you know, despite the dismal record of the Clintons in Haiti, which we've covered extensively on this show, uh, they all went for Hillary. Um, it's almost like there's not even any um, brain in there. People just do these things completely automatically. And it's almost like these politicians are, you know, essentially just there to acquiesce to what uh, the Democratic Party leadership says they should do. So we saw very little independent thinking on the part of these um, Haitian-American local officials. And uh, so why is it that all of a sudden uh, all of these incumbents are being challenged? How do you explain this phenomenon? You know, I think part of it is that there's a new awakening um, since the presidential election that elections have consequences. Um, and a lot of folks who were asleep a few, a few weeks ago have now found themselves in a state of awakening and realizing how important it is to have somebody who's just as radical talking about the things that we need in this community and in this, in this city um, elected. Housing is a human right, education is a human right. And when people talk about those things in those terms, 
it certainly wakens up um, the machine. So I think we've woken up a machine with this presidency, um, Donald Trump. Now, uh, let's talk about gentrification, um, which is huge. Uh, it's huge in my Fort for Greene neighborhood, which when I moved here in 1997 uh, was a black middle class neighborhood where cabs wouldn't uh, show up. It was a great neighborhood. I loved it, which is why I came here. Lots of uh, young black people similarly situated to me. I was fresh off college. Uh, there was lots of culture here. Um, and, um, you know, you, you just cannot say that about Fort Greene anymore. And obviously, you know, in the societies where we live, there's tons of change all the time, uh, you know, borne out by capitalism. But there's also, but I, I think everybody has the right, people who grew up here, people whose parents, you know, grew up here and toiled here in the 60s and 70s have a right to have, to, to uh, lament that we just no longer have stability and that, you know, people, People's rents are, you know, increasing from month, month to month. Landlords are harassing people. Landlords are paying law firms to harass people. I have a friend who was in her apartment, and she kept sending the rent. They kept turning it back. So gentrification, to me, is probably one of the biggest uh, things that you're going to have to tackle uh, when you win, because I, I hope you do win. Um, and um, uh-huh. and uh, and and it's it is actually what seems to be. Uh, to have called, uh, to have created trouble for Lori Combo, who, when she arrived, was very likable, uh, had run a cultural institution here for years, young black woman, very energetic. Uh, but, uh, you know, she, Eve Fox and, and uh, Jabari, but also Eve Fox uh, ran, um, you know, ran, a, a, I'd say, a strong challenge against her in the Democratic primary on this issue of gentrification. And on this issue that, you know, Lori was just uh, apparently caving to developers and agreeing that, you know, the, the new house, agreeing that, that the, the armory was going to just be luxury apartments. And I, I think that she, she, she did get shaken on this issue. So um, how, on the other hand, obviously, developers wield a lot of power in our district. And, and seem to be winning based on, you know, the change in demographics that we see in our neighborhood. So how are you going to tackle this monster of, of this, you know, the real estate developers? Um, do you think that you're going to be able to, uh, you know, stand your ground against them if you take office? Well, there are two things that we've done already. Uh, well, one rather. Um, one is if you look at my campaign finance, we have not taken money from real estate developers. And that's a very easy way to say that your money is not welcome here. Um, what we see with the councilman on contrast is that 30% of his campaign funds come from people in the real estate industry. Um, so it's not a question to me on why his priorities are mixed up when his buddies who are donating money to him are asking him for variances or um, for zoning issues. Um, and that's one thing that we made a deliberate um, stance on. The second thing that we want to do is that um, the, the, the city's controller, Scott Stringer, put out a report a few weeks ago that indicated to us that there are 1,000 vacant properties in the city of New York that are owned by the city. Um, I intend to, on, um, as soon as I'm elected, on my transitional letterhead, just pen a letter to Scott Stringer requesting um, a request of knowing exactly where those city-owned properties are and to begin to develop on those city-owned properties, 100% affordable housing. And how do we get to 100% affordable housing? We do it by working with nonprofit developers. No one is saying that developers are bad. 
No one is saying development is bad. What we are saying is that more nonprofits need to have a stake in who is developing um, the housing stock in our communities. And if a nonprofit developer is developing that housing stock, we will see a tremendous increase in the amount of housing that's provided. The second thing we need to do is we need to move our average medium incomes from reflecting Westchester, Long Island, and all five boroughs to reflect the communities in which that housing is proposed being built in. Um, we call it CMIs, Community Medium Incomes. And one of the things that I want to do when elected is making sure that we incentivize, given tax breaks, the people who are basing their um, incomes um, and how they provide affordable housing to people who actually live in communities and the people in the communities who actually make the wages that reflect the community and not looking at this broad stroke of um, um, what people make throughout the five boroughs, Westchester and Long Island. So I think those are tangible ways to tackle a housing crisis in New York City. And also just come into the understanding, lastly, is that housing is a human right and that shelters are for emergency purposes, but shelters are not a form of housing. We have to begin to divest our investments from shelters because the more we invest in shelters, which actually costs more than market rent housing, then we find ourselves a serious issue of um, housing. Dude, you had a question? Um, just peripheral. I'm reading in Mr. Cunningham's bio that he has the backing and support of uh, uh, Haitian American progressives. Would you care to drop some names for us and tell us why you, um, how they, you know, how they represent I, I, the views of, of the community that you you, uh, you hope to hope to vote for you? Well, one of the things we try not to do is we try to let people who endorse us um, endorse us on their own platforms. Um, a lot of the the people who have um, been on the front lines of endorsing us are listed on the website on their endorsements, and some have like used their social media as ways of leveraging, um, talking about their support for our candidacy. Um, but we we um, try not to put people out there because um, I'd much rather them speak about their support for me rather than me speak about their support for me. So uh, just to be clear, just to be clear, um, the the two people who uh, introduced uh, me me to the idea of bringing Brian on the show are um, uh-huh. Candice Fortin and can you hear me? Yes, very well. Yeah. Yeah, are uh, Candice Fortin and um, Richard Brookshire, who are those uh, young Haitian American progressives uh, who okay. I met yeah, actually. Very... Well, actually, I I knew Richard independently, uh, but also. Uh, who were both Bernie supporters in the primary. I met Candace mm-hmm. while um, while uh, stumping for Bernie myself. So, and I think yeah, Candace, I Candace was well. actually Candace was initially going to join us tonight. She unfortunately could not join us. But why don't you tell us, uh, Brian, what Candace's position is in your campaign? I, I forgot her exact title, but she seems to be running the show. Sure, Candace is um, taking on the role as strategic director for our campaign. Um, obviously coordinating a lot of our social media content and obviously um, doing a number of special projects um, with outreach to different coalitions of people in the community. Um, you said it, I didn't say it. So Candace, uh, if you're listening, um, <laughs> I didn't out you. <laughs> but we do have a, I mean, in terms of support, we do have a lot of people who are supporting our campaign from the Haitian American community um, and from all communities. So we're just really excited about the wide coalition of support we're receiving from a number of people and, um, couldn't be more thrilled going into election day with um, these people uh, working so hard. In fact, um, a lot of the I'm in the campaign office right now. In the back, we have about 15 or 25 people still here working um, throughout the night. Um, after working a long 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. day, they're putting the extra time in to make sure that election day 
is um, going to be a successful night for the community. Um, also, Hugo, earlier this week, um, our friend Daoud André from Haiti uh, Papa Desalines actually tackled this issue on his show. I don't think he spent a lot of time on it, but he made it very clear that he thought uh, Matthew Eugene should be unseated. Uh, and I, I don't know, I mean, I don't know exactly how he worded it, but he made it very clear uh, and encouraged his listeners uh, not to vote for Matthew Eugene. Uh, and I understand um, it's it's pretty much you. It's There's only two people in the race, right? Um, there's two people in the race. There is a, um, there is a conservative who's running as well. Um, but he doesn't seem to be doing much campaigning. I think a lot of people who voted in Democratic primary are looking for both myself and Matthew G in the ballot. So we are going to call this a one-on-one -on -one rematch um, to the Democratic primary. All right. Well, um, Brian, I'm sure you you you're you're pretty busy. Uh, when we have uh, listeners, uh, you have like literally five minutes to call in if people want to call uh, call in to ask questions. Uh, you literally should do this uh, ASAP. Uh, otherwise, um, Brian, and, and unless you, you have other things to ask, uh, we're going to ask you to, um, I guess, uh, leave us with your wrap-up words. Um, well, if there's no question about the audience, I mean, the most important thing that I would encourage people to do is to actually go out there and vote on Tuesday. Uh, the Democratic primary had um, only 13,000 people who voted. And in the Democratic primary, um, the total number of Democrats that live in our district are actually 75,000. So out of 75,000, only 13,000 people voted. And to me, even if I was successful in Democratic primary, that is nothing to hang my head up about. There is still so much work to be done in terms of voter engagement and getting people to the polls. So I'm encouraging every single listener, no matter what district you live in, whether it be the district that I hope to represent or another district, um, I'm encouraging you to go out to the polls and to pull the lever for somebody that you believe in. Um, if you are somebody who supports our candidacy, um, we are going to be here all weekend um, from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. Um, canvassing communities, knocking doors, talking to voters, trying to earn their trust, respect, phone banking people, um, and if people who want to who believe in the campaign but are too far away to phone bank, too far away to knock doors. We encourage you to check out our website and see ways you can get involved by donating to our campaign. Uh, we are running a grassroots um, operation. We are running a campaign that's based on issues, um, based on facts, based on um, policy, based on um, substance, based on vision for the next four, eight, and 16 years of this district and this community, and a campaign that's based in protecting the marginalized communities, immigrant communities, um, people that have suffered from racial injustice, economic adjustment, adjustment, injustice, and I'm looking forward to being your voice in City Hall. And of course, the website is CunninghamForCouncil.com, CunninghamForCouncil.com. Uh, remind us of your Twitter, and, and also tell us where your campaign office is, and um, uh, of course, the number to call in, guys, 714-242-6119, 714-242-6119, uh, but do tell us where your um, headquarters are located. So the office is at 495 Flatbush Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11225. That is in the Brooklyn Commons co-working space in um, Prosper Leopard's Gardens area of the district. Um, our phone number here is 718-360-9611, 718-360-9611. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook handle is Cunningham, C-U-N-N-I-N-G-H-A-M. The number 4NYC, and as mentioned earlier, our website is Cunningham. 
forcouncil.com. Check out our website and um, join the movement. All right. Um, Ug, any um, any uh, final words? No, I think I'm uh, I'm quite satisfied. I'm looking forward to the race. Sounds like it should be very Yeah, we're all looking forward to Tuesday. <laughs> we're all looking forward to Tuesday now. Uh, thank you and so I much, Brian Cunningham. For... Last thing, I'll invite to the everybody debate. to come yeah. out to our victory. Our, 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 well, our debate on Sunday at 4, 4 o'clock at St. Paul's Church, but also to the um, watch party on um, Tuesday night here at Brooklyn Commons. Um, we look forward to celebrating no matter what the outcome is, what this committee has done so far to mobilize, organize um, for the next four years. And I look forward to seeing you all. Okay. Uh, I, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. Is... I, I, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I do have a last minute question. I apologize. Um, I'm curious as to um, whether Mr. Cunningham has appeared on any of the quote unquote traditional Haitian media, uh, Creole language media, and what has been the the reception and the feedback from the quote unquote the old timers, the people who are not you know plugged in and, and campaigning through the internet, that sort of thing. Uh, we have not done a lot of outreach or a lot of um airtime on those stations. But okay. if anyone wants to interview us between now and, and Tuesday morning, I am happy to sit down as late as early as anyone wants to articulate what our vision is for the district and how we can create a movement together. Um, as, as, as I often tell um, people who I talk to in the Asian American community, I'm Jamaican and so is um, Betsy Bookman. And because of That's Betsy right. Bookman and Tucson's partnership, we were able to accomplish a, not, a lot, including a revolution. And I look forward to creating a revolution in this district. Yeah, we go way back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, we're going to, as an outro, we're going to play, we're going to replay uh, the clip we played in the beginning, uh, which is essentially the audio of uh, Brian Cunningham's campaign commercial. Thank you, Brian, Brian Cunningham, for joining us. Good luck. Uh, we hope to be able to call you uh, City Councilman uh, Cunningham as of Tuesday. I think uh, this this should be the end of a certain kind of, you know, uh, Democratic Party machine politician. We really hope so. It's certainly the 40th Council District, which, by the way, is made up of Flatbush, East Flatbush, Crown Heights, and Prosper Lefford Garden, among other uh, neighborhoods. Um, those are heavily, heavily important um, communities for uh, both, you know, both the Haitian Americans and Jamaican Americans. So we really hope that we can call you City Councilman um, Cunningham as of Tuesday. And uh, folks, we'll be back, of course, uh, next Friday, same place. Stay tuned to uh, our social media to find out who our guest is next week. We may be speaking to the Black Alliance for Just Immigration. Um, I will keep everybody posted. And uh, uh, here is Brian Cunningham's uh, video. Uh, have, a, have a great night, everybody. Matthew Eugene has been the city council member for District 40 for 10 years. Good morning. During that time, he has personally earned over $1 million, but only passed seven bills. Almost 30% of Matthew's campaign funds come from people in the real estate industry. They're profiting, while individuals all over this district are being evicted and foreclosed on. I was down there at HRA one time working in MTA, couldn't afford my rent. He chairs youth services for the New York City Council. Yet in the city of New York, the youth unemployment rate is at 29%. That's tripled the national average. He has one of the worst environmental records in the entire city council. He voted against a bill that would prohibit the sale and distribution of children's toys that contained formaldehyde, lead, and mercury. 
but can you give us more detail? He failed to support legislation that would protect a woman's right to choose. We need to create a universal healthcare system in the city of New York that covers every single person. Let's demand racial, economic, environmental, reproductive, and immigrant justice. My name is Brian Cunningham. I'm a lifelong Democrat, and I'm running for the New York City Council.